Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Bastards Hot Stove Edition. I'm your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our other hosts for this episode tonight are Terry Cushman, coming to us from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine, and Nick Face joining us from Reading, Massachusetts. How are both of you doing tonight? Splendid. Because that's my favorite word. Getting ready for a 8 a.m. flight tomorrow to Tampa for Thanksgiving. So there you go, man. Right It'll on. Be fun. What airline are you flying? JetBlue. Oh, that's a good one. There's a good yeah. chance of landing on JetBlue. There are some of the airlines that they uh, they yeah. they promised you a flight, but not a landing. I'm not going <laughs> to mention the airline, but uh, for those of you who are curious, feel free to chirp me. So. Well, Wait, funny oh. story real quick. I um I haven't flown JetBlue in years, but one of the last times I did, the TV was on the seat in front of you. And oh, yeah. I, I'm a nervous flyer. I, I don't really care for it. And uh, takeoffs especially. I start to settle down once we get up to altitude. But I go to take my seat right when I boarded, and the TV is on the History Channel. And it's a special on Amelia Earhart. So, like, right away, I'm like, we are changing this. I am not watching documentaries about airplanes crashing. And, and the first uh, plane going down. Yeah. And uh, so it all worked out. Uh, you know, wasn't the worst flight I went on. Worst flight, I'll tell you some other time, was L.A. to Reno. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you're flying over, da- you're flying over Denver. Flying over Denver sucks. It, it was by far the sky. We even my friend who isn't rattled by anything thought we were going to die. So, um, yeah. So that that flight ruined me for quite some time. Yeah. Anytime you fly over Denver, it's an absolute nightmare. No altitude door. Yep. So this is going to be part four of our top 50 free agents with predictions Starting off at number 20, J.D. Martinez, two years, $40 million. Tim the Mets, Anthony the Mariners, Dara with the Angels. Nicholas, would you like to take this one first? I think I'd get shot in Boston right now if I want him back because everybody's been there, done that, and we want to move forward with it. But the thing that you keep thinking about right now is what's this team going to do without if Justin Turner doesn't resign? You're going to have to find other spots to put him. I just think we've seen this, the whole JD story. The Red Sox are going in a new direction. I think the last year of JD Martinez was in some ways in that clubhouse toxic. And I think the Red Sox were pretty much fed up and kind of done with it. And I think JD's on the back nine right now. He had a pretty decent season, obviously with the Dodgers with everything, but I do think that the Red Sox have other facets to explore without J.D. here. The other thing is you're also going to have to figure out who your D.H. Again, if Justin Turner's not here, it's probably going to be Yoshida that's slotting in at your D.H. So there's a lot of figuring out with what your outfield's going to look like, who could potentially replace a Justin Turner again. So I just don't see the Red Sox going the J.D. Martinez route again. Thank you, JD, for your time here, but we're all set. Terrence? If JD Martinez had Justin Turner's personality, I would 
I would be somewhat open to bringing back J.D. Martinez, but unfortunately he has, let's see, he has Adrian Gonzalez personality, you know, kind of whiny, a little bit of a Debbie Downer. And I really don't want him back in in the Red Sox clubhouse. It's going to be really complicated if we bring a DH only player, you know, back onto our roster. I, you know, because you're going to need Yoshida to be there. Casas will probably spend some time there. Devers might do, you know, eight to 10 games there in a season. I think it's a, a spot where they want flexibility. I don't think they want one permanent, you know, DH only type player for 140 to 145 games. Cause we would already have Justin Turner back right now. I think if, if they were willing to do that, we need this roster to, to be balanced. We need it to be structured, you know, more like a normal MLB roster and not a fatally flawed high bloom looking roster where it's not versatile it's not defensively sound, and I don't think J.D. Martinez makes a ton of sense. And I think there are two years, $40 million that MLB trade rumors projected. I think that's sky high. I think he only gets a one-year deal. I think he only had a one-year $10 or $12 million deal with the Dodgers this year. I mean, maybe he gets a, a one-year deal for 15 20 max, but... I don't, I don't think teams are going multiple years. He can't stay healthy as a DH. So I I don't uh that's not a move for Boston. No, it it absolutely is not. Where we already have so many other people that can play the role of designated hitter. We don't need another one who's already done his time in Boston. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. But it's not going to be something that enhances team morale. It's not going to be anything that enhances the team, I think, productivity. If you look at his numbers, the strikeout numbers still went up last year. Uh, The home run numbers obviously did go up as well. He wasn't drawing any walks anymore. He just doesn't walk. And, again, we we already have designated hitters. We don't need another one. So I'm a hard pass on that one. He will get a one-year deal. I don't think anyone's dumb enough to give him two. Anything else we want to add on him? All right. Seth Lugo, number 19, three years, 42 million, the expectation. Tim, the Diamondbacks, Anthony, the Cardinals, and Dara, the Reds. Terry, why don't you lead us off with Seth Lugo? He he wouldn't be the worst option uh, on the market. I, I think he would instantly be better than any of the Heim Bloom guys uh, that we had to suffer through over the last few years, but on the other hand, I'm kind of hoping that the bar is set higher. If we did sign him, he would probably be the the number two or the number three starter they brought in. And, you know, so I, it's just, it's not an ideal move for me. And I think three years is a lot if that's his market. Um, you know, I, I, I don't really want to commit that many years to, you know, a 34-year-old pitcher who's, you know, a middle-to-back-end guy. So I wouldn't hate it, but I wouldn't love it either. 
Yeah, Nick. I'm just looking at the numbers from what he's put up with his Mets career. And then obviously last season he went to San Diego. He's been a very serviceable major league pitcher for eight years. Uh, really had done a great job for more of like a setup kind of guy, more of a seventh, sixth inning if you need him kind of type. I just think the Red Sox are all set right now with that department. It's never – there's never not a thing where, you know, you need extra pitching from everything. But on the past shows that we've been talking about, it's going to come down to what you actually have in the budget right now to use. If you're going all in on these starting pitchers and you need uh, you know, a good amount of money to spend on those guys, will you have enough to also add some other – anchor pieces to that bullpen. I wouldn't hate the move if he comes here because I think he'd do a pretty good job, but I just don't think realistically it's the avenue the Red Sox are going to go down. So I look at Seth Lugo as the three-year version or three-year older version of Nick Pavetta, and we already have Nick Pavetta. His numbers, he's older than Pavetta. His record is worse than Pavetta. He doesn't strike out as many guys. Pavetta can pitch more innings if given the opportunity. I think you already have that. And if you're thinking about not rebuilding, because I hope that's not the direction we're going in there, Nick. I, I want guys that are gamers, and I want guys that move needles. He doesn't move any needles. This guy's never won more than eight games in a season, which he did last year. Before that, seven was the highest he ever did. So I'm out on, on Lugo. We need to invest our money on the players that are actually going to get the, you know, forgive the football reference here, but get the chains moving. Seth Lugo is not going to do that. So I'm out on him. Anything else either one of you want to add? He, he just doesn't have the innings either to be a starter. I mean, he pitched 150-something no. last year. He was very That's serviceable. Agreed. But, uh, you know, if it, this is a multi-year thing, I'd be pretty nervous. I feel like he, he very well could end up in a long relief role. And that's all we have right now. We've got Nick Pavetta. We have Cutter Crawford. Um, so, yeah. Not not I a think guy. The key I word, redundancy is, I think, is is exactly kind of how you put it at Charlie to same with you, Terry, you have this type, you have the Nick Pavetta, you have the cutter Crawford's, you have the Winkowski types. I just don't think you need another one of these options. We want to get away from that model. We, we need to get away from that model because this isn't going to move the needle. So moving on from uh, Seth Lugo, we have number 18. Good Lord. Marcus Stroman, two years, 44 million Tim thinks the Dodgers, Anthony, the Phillies, Dara, the twins. Oh, I, oh, this one hurts. Who wants to go first? Nick, do you want to go first with Marcus Stroman? I will stay far, far, far away. I think this guy is more in the news because of his mouth and his personality. I mean, he's nothing more than really a 500 pitcher. He's thrown up. He's got one all-star appearance pretty decent earn run average and everything. But I feel like the guy is just nothing but controversial. You don't need a head case coming to the Boston and causing ruckus. You just don't need that. You need a guy who's committed, who's durable, who's going to give you innings, can be trusted far, 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 far away from Marcus Stroman. 
All right. So I've said ever since the start of this podcast in, in 2017, some players need to have the right personality to play in Boston. And if you don't, Boston will eat you alive and you will not you will not succeed here in Boston. Marcus Stroman has a personality that would not make it here. This would be David Price 2.0. And his numbers are fine in the last few years. If you're going to complain about anything, it's the fact, you know, he isn't going, you know, more than 140 innings. Well, he did in 2021, I guess, with the Mets. But, um, but aside from that, you're not getting tons of innings out of him. He's very injury prone. But the biggest red flag to me with Marcus Stroman is that no team that he's ever been with seems to want to commit to him long term. You you would think the Blue Jays, they traded him in 2019 when Stroman was only 28 years old. Most 28-year-old pitchers are looking for a seven or eight-year deal. Blue Jay said, no, thank you. We're sending you to the Mets. And he stayed with the Mets a couple of years and then uh, over to the Cubs. And neither the Mets nor the Cubs seem to want him long-term either. And, and the Cubs need a Marcus Stroman type guy. Like they need a guy like him in their rotation and even they're not excited to bring him back. So what does that tell me? No, thank you, please. I want no part of Marcus Stroman in Boston. You know, I hated David Price when he was a Tampa Bay Ray. Couldn't stand him. I hated him even more when he got to the Boston Red Sox. The dude was a crybaby. So is Stroman. Stroman blocked me on Twitter. I chirped him the night after the Eckersley controversy, when Eckersley was calling him out for, for being a punk, you know, as, as the inning was ending, he'd get the final out and then he'd taunt the Red Sox dugout. The dude's a punk. I hate everything about him. And um, I'd be really, really upset if, if we signed him to a multi-year deal. I can't stand Marcus Stroman. <laughs> The only person that dislikes Marcus Stroman more than Terry is me. I can't stand that piece of garbage. He is he belongs on the Mount Rushmore of baseball bad boys. Do you know which position player I think would love to hold his hand as just clubhouse cancer? Oh. Shortstop. Thinks he's better than everybody else. Can't take a punch. Oh. No, not Manny oh, Machado. Tim, Tim, Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson. Oh, that's okay. Tim Anderson. There we go. Okay. Yeah. That is the pitcher's yeah. version of Tim Anderson. Head case, gets amped up over a strikeout. He might have given up a grand slam, but gets jacked up over one strikeout. The guy is just clueless. He's just clueless. The most wins in his career, 13, 2017. Opted out during, you know, the 2020 year during COVID, an opportunity that he might have been able to build up on a decent year in 2019 when he did decently well with the Mets. He's he's irrelevant, folks. In 2019 and 2021, he went 10 and 13 both seasons. The guy is a joke. And honestly, if we're trying to build morale, 
and we're trying to go in the positive direction, bringing a clubhouse cancer to the team is not going to get it done. And Marcus Stroman is not the answer, folks. So hard, hard pass on Stroman for me. Uh, number 17, Lucas Giolito. Uh, Terry, why don't you lead us off with Gio? This might not be a popular opinion uh, with the audience. I know it's not so much a popular opinion amongst our crew, but I might actually take a flyer on him if it's only for a couple of years. And MLB Trade Rumors has it two years, $44 million. I think that's a lot for two years, considering he's coming off of literally the worst season of his career. Um, you know, a 4.88 ERA, 184 innings. Uh, he's typically a guy that will pitch, you know, a lot of innings for you. Um, 2023, yeah, 184, 161 the season before that. 2021, 178. So he's a guy that's been relatively healthy. A couple of things that give me optimism is he's coming from Chicago and Chicago had a terrible year last year. The Chicago White Sox, terrible clubhouse, terrible policies that basically encouraged players to be lazy and unprofessional. They weren't required to show up to meetings that are otherwise mandatory with other clubs. And then he went to Oakland. He went from uh, not Oakland. <laughs> excuse me. He went to the Anaheim. Angels. Yes, he went to Anaheim. All of California is a dumpster fire in my opinion but um but yeah so he went from one dumpster fire to the other and i just don't see how those organizations are going to be conducive to to fixing a struggling player and I, I think boston could could be a place where he figures it out you know under a guy like andrew bailey and it's risky, but I'm willing to take a chance on it. And unlike the Bloom guys, he's got pretty good stuff and he's healthy. He's not damaged goods in any way, you know, like like all of the Bloom era guys were. So I would take a flyer on him. He's not my, you know, definitely not my first choice, probably not even my fifth choice. But he, he is a guy I, I would be a little bit intrigued if they could get him for just a year or two uh, for a decent price. I I feel exactly the same on with Terry on this. I hate to you know just say the same old song and dance here, but the big thing that stands out to me with Giolito is the durability. Just looking at what he's done throughout his career innings-wise, I mean, he's been at least 170-ish for the majority of his career since 2018. He's led the league. I mean, he had a big strikeout season last year with 204. Um, even with the 8-15 and 15 record, he went with the White Sox to the Angels. And then I think he was put on waivers and the Indians picked him up, something like that. He so he went from trash he went from trash to more trash to the trash pile, basically, of um, just organizations that I don't think have the tools and the resource available to get a pitcher back into the right rhythm. I think, again, with Bailey being here in Boston, he has a great opportunity to be a rebound candidate. And again, I know we wanted to kind of get away from this whole rebuild and trying to catch lightning in a bottle guys. But this is one guy that I would feel confident with, with giving him a chance and seeing what he can deliver on like a two year deal 
maybe an incentive laden contract, but I am in the camp of if the opportunity is there, I would bring Giolito here to Boston. He's always been one of my guys that I've um, watched and liked from afar. He fits that model of durability, innings eater, and somebody you can count on. I don't think Giolito's going to get more than two years. I think the Red Sox could benefit from having somebody like Giolito on their team, so we're all aligned on him. I just I can't see how you fall apart from being a potential Cy Young candidate and and possibly better had he been on a better team um, in the you know late 20 teens, 2019, 2020, excuse me, with Chicago. I, I really think that he could have been better. I don't think this is it for him. I really do think he has something left to prove. But at $44 million in two years, I think he's going to have to take a little bit of a discount given how poorly he performed in, uh, in 2023. So if he's willing to come down and maybe do something like two for 39 or two for 40 even, where it's a flat 20, I personally would love to see him take a two for 37, two for 38, um, 19 average per year, because we're seeing uh, Aaron Nola take, what was it, seven years, 172 million. So you look at the average, that's 24.5 million. I don't think for one second that Lucas Giolito is worth two million less than Aaron Nola. So if we're resetting the market, I think he's probably worth. 18, maybe 19 million per. So you're looking at 36, 37 uh, over the course of two years. And maybe you can make it like incentive laden with strikeouts, wins, innings pitched. Because somebody like that as your, you know, maybe your three guy is pretty damn good. If he's your four, holy crap, watch out. I also feel like if you're Lucas Giolito and you're confident you're going to have a bounce back, he probably would only want a one-year deal just right. to, just to come back, to make a point. statement, and then go for a five- to seven-year deal next year. He's only 29 years old. He turns 30. His, right. actu- his birthday is actually the day before mine. His is July 14th. So he turns 30 right smack in the middle of the season. That might even be the all-star break even. Um, so I it's, it's a chance I would take, but... More ideally, it ha- he has to be the number two pitcher we get. You know, you got to. Right. I, I've said all last episode, it's so paramount that we get Yamamoto. But even if we don't get Yamamoto and you get Blake Snell, you know, you Giolito has to be your, your number two or even your number three in there. Right. So. Absolutely. The you only thing I. Oh, go ahead, Charlie. I didn't realize you were going to go. go no, no, it's okay. I, as far as Giolito is concerned, you can't just get Giolito. We're all aligned there no and way. say, oh, you get Giolito and we're done with pitchers. There's absolutely no way. Because if he falls flat, it's 2023 all over again. It's a disaster. The biggest thing for me that uh, the only, like I scratched my head on, was the MLB projection numbers of the two years, 44 million. I just think that's really sky high. Giolito after the season that he put up I I see a one-year incentive laden maybe it's another uh part of a contract there to rebuild his value yeah we're we're all aligned on that I, I I think we all wish him well we hope it works out for him number 16 
Jorge Soler, three years, 45 mil. Tim, the Blue Jays. Anthony, the Astros. Good God. Dara, the Mets. Uh, Nick, Jorge Soler, lead us off. Big year for Miami he pulled off. Played 137 games just to catch people up to speed. The big numbers that stand out with a 36 bomb, 75 RBI. He had a 250 average. Guy that's going to hit for power is your right-handed guy uh, that the Red Sox lineup has needed. I think he fills a void. The question is, can we depend upon him in a left field kind of situation? I'm not sure I do 100% on that. Uh, the bat, though, absolutely plays. And I think at Fenway, he could uh, definitely be sending a lot of those shots over that monster. And I think a lot of fans would be happy about it. But the price with what you see right here, so they're calling this right now a three-year 45 mil. If you have the money, you have the tools to do it, I'm not going to be against it, especially considering uh, one of the rivals, Blue Jays, is mentioned as a team that could be interested in it. Same goes with the Astros and um, with the Mets. So it's a, it's a, it would definitely be somebody that can add some power and some thunder to the lineup. So I would be all for it. Terry. He checks off a lot of boxes. Uh, you know, he's a right-hander. Big check there. We don't have any right-handed power outside of story. And, you know, <laughs> he, he's not consistent enough to really be considered as a, as a power guy. You know, he's going to have to reestablish that, and hopefully he does. But 36 bombs in uh, 2023 with the Marlins. Uh, and this happens to be his only all-star year as well, by the way. He's a high OBP guy. He's typically going to be at least 60 to 70 points above his batting average. So he does draw a lot of walks. He was the 2021 World Series MVP with the Atlanta Braves. Just dude went completely off. You know, he was essentially the replacement for Acuna after Acuna blew out his ACL. I don't think they ever imagined he would give them that type of production, but he did. Um, so that's all well and good. You know, those, those are all great. However, a negative 1.5 defensive war. So we're just going back to what I spoke about when we were talking about JD Martinez a little while ago, he essentially would have to be a DH only. If you want to commit to Masataki Yoshida, playing left field every day or two out of every three he gets he's got chronic jet lag apparently Yoshida um then I guess that's fine and and I would prefer a guy like Soler over a guy like JD but at the end of the day it's it's still not a great fit if you're looking for balance and you're looking to improve your defense it's not a great fit so I probably would pass on him now if he did get signed would I be screaming Foul from the top of the mountains? No, I would not. You already hit the nail on the head as far as not needing another DH, and you already talked about the war. He's got a pretty similar split when it comes to hitting against lefties and righties. He does prefer one side over the other. But I don't know if we need another 31-year-old guy who eventually is going to assume the position of a spot that's already borderline reserved for two, maybe three guys. We don't know if Turner's coming back. 
We don't know what the situation is with Yoshida. Devers playing third base is still, you know, fun land. And I, I appreciate the bat, but I, I so desperately need us to invest in the pitching first before we start tooling on the bats. I, I don't know how much I absolutely love Soler. Um, He's also not really been able to find a home for all too long. Started his career in Chicago. was supposed to be an absolute baller. Then he goes over to Kansas City. Takes a couple years to, to heat up. Then he goes off during the kind of fluff ball year. He had 48 home runs in 2019. Disappears the next year. Disappears the year after that. Disappears in 22. Then finds resurgent four years later. I just I don't know if if I can tell myself forty five million. I mean, I, this is like a Hunter Renfro. This is basically Hunter Renfro without a cannon in right field. So I I, I don't know if I'd say I'm I'm in on Solaire. I'm I'm gonna really really tell myself that at this point I can't go willy nilly giving two and three year deals to players that don't absolutely move the needle, and this guy just doesn't do it. Anything else we want to add on Solaire? Okay. Number 15 on the list. Young Ho Lee. Five years, 50 million. Tim, the Padres. Anthony, the Padres as well. Dara, the Blue Jays. He is a left-handed hitting outfielder from South Korea who just turned 25. Nick, lead us off. Yep, so just looking at some of his stats that he's had, it looks like he was with the team called Nexon and Kiwoom. Uh, those numbers, every season, look batting average and everything, you're in the high threes. The 2017 year, 324, then he went 355, and it's been pretty consistent across the board there. He's not a big home run guy per se. It seems a little bit to me like this would be a little redundant in a way of what Yoshida really is with the bat. Um, I know with this guy, he is more, um, you know, center field, right field. You don't really know exactly what position he's going to play yet. But I think because you already have a Yoshida type and you really don't know what you want to do with Yoshida right now. Is he your left fielder? Is he your DH? Is he a part of this team moving forward? That's to be determined. So I just think this would be a little too redundant if we go this route with, um, with Lee. Not going to spend a lot of time here on him. He is a lefty. We've got 40 lefties on our roster. Uh, just a reminder, I love this stat. Trevor Story is your only right-handed power guy. That's it. He's the only one. If you want to throw Connor Wong in there because you're desperate, fine. I'll let you have it. But that's that's it. So I'm done collecting lefties. Uh, you know, it clearly was a fetish uh, from the previous executive. And those numbers look good and his defensive numbers look good. His, um, you know, fielding percentage is, you know, right around 990. So not a ton of errors there. Uh, but it's not even in the Japanese league. He, he comes from the Korean league. So it's a step back from even the Japanese league, which is widely regarded to be like a, a 4A type league. You know, kind of like an in-between AAA and, and major league level league. So 
not a fit. Not a fit for Boston. Not a fit and had his worst statistical year in 2023 where everything seemed to be going down. When it goes in the red, give it a pass. And uh, I'm, I'm totally good. I don't need another Scott Boris client coming to Boston. I'm totally good considering they're expecting five at 50. Not happening. Uh, Terry's fanboy favorite, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., number 14. Four years, $54 million. Not eligible for the qualifying offer. Tim thinks the Royals. Anthony thinks the Yankees. Dara thinks the Mariners. Terry thinks the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> uh, Nick, why don't you lead us off for this one as well? There's a lot to like for this guy. There's your right-handed bat that you've needed. Here's a, here's the difference from it. If it was between Jose Soler or going with Gurriel, I'm going the Gurriel route. I look at a guy that can actually play the field. That's important. Um, you can slot him into like a left field, right field, wherever you wanted to put him from everything. He was an all-star from last season with Arizona. Um, Number-wise, 24 homers, 82 RBIs, 261 average. He is a career 279 uh, batting average hitter on base percentage, um, is a 324 overall just for him. I think that this guy will fill a lot of – voids that the Red Sox have lacked for some for some seasons and I do think that this guy would be somebody um, who could do um, a lot of good with the Red Sox so sign <clears throat> sign me up I would be all for it um, the price is right I'm okay yeah Terry go ahead we know you like him go ahead let's get this <laughs> out of the way well I I don't you know I, I like him a lot I, it's not you know he's not at the top of my list but I do view him as as someone that's extremely viable um he is uh I guess he probably projects to be more of a, a 2080 type guy let's see where he's been at so 24 uh, home runs, yeah, 82 runs batted in. Um, 2022 seemed like a bit of an off year for him, but uh, the season before that, again, basically on par, 21 home runs, 84 driven in. I think Fenway Park could, you know, play, you know, very well for him. Um, you know, it's hitting the ball up into the monster seats. I mean, you know, I just think I just think he'd be solid. I think he could have a Shane Victorino type effect from 2013 on this 2024 team. I, offensively, he doesn't have a cannon for an arm like Victorino. I, I think he would be playing in left field with Yoshida serving as your DH. He's probably a, a five or six hole hitter, but I, I just I think he's pretty solid. You know, uh, he could draw a few more walks. I mean, only a 309 OBP in, uh, you know, 2023. He was, he's actually hit, you know, a, a 343 guy the season before that. So um, there's not much to hate there. You know, I mean, if you're aiming high, I mean, some Red Sox fans want to trade for Juan Soto and, and he's certainly not close to that, but I would take him over Verdugo. I I think he would be a very good addition just as far as being a good clubhouse guy. I don't think there's going to be any drama there. I don't think there's going to be any pity parties, you know, that that Verdugo 
uh, seems to have. What was the projection on him real quick? Let's see. Four years, 54 million. That's a lot. I'd rather get him for two to three years, but, but still solid guy. Yep. Yep. So uh, here's the thing. He got shipped off to Arizona with Gabriel Moreno, who was the, one of the top catching prospects in major league baseball for a little while. And they flipped him for Dalton Varsho. Dalton Varsho came off of a pretty good year where he had 27 homers and 74 RBIs, was an outfielder that could also catch. And Toronto ends up getting the younger player of the uh, trade there. They completely removed him from being a catcher. And Lourdes Gurriel rewards Arizona by hitting 24 homers, 82 RBIs, both career highs for him. Uh, oh, excuse me, I stand corrected. Had 84 uh, RBIs in 2021, but still really, really consistent, getting on base, over 30 doubles for the second straight year, being a an integral part of Arizona's run in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, I'd be actually curious to give this guy a deal just because of, I think, the versatility. Uh, he can play left. I know Terry's not 100% sold on our current left fielder, and if Yoshida does end up shifting out from the team or out of left field altogether, there's your quick fix. And it's someone that has experience playing at Fenway Park with his tenure in Toronto, has a decent amount of experience with Fenway. It wouldn't take somebody like Loris Gurriel much time, in my opinion, to adjust to getting used to Fenway Park in general. I'm not against this signing. I You can't be negative on all of them, and he's definitely going to get something like that. I think the honeymoon four-year fluff it only happened because Arizona went to the playoffs and went far. Guriel probably realistically is in the three for 45, three for 48 range, and I think would settle for three years at something at that 15 to 16 per if, if someone came and knocking. Uh, anything else we want to add on... Lourdes. Yeah, so he's 30 years old, so probably in the back part of his prime. Uh, you know, he should still have some pretty good years uh, ahead of him. Um, another thing I kind of like about him is his playoff numbers were pretty decent. I mean, he showed up in the NLDS, hit 308, didn't draw a walk, so his OBP sitting right at um, 308 as well. Uh, 259 uh, the next round against the Phillies with a 286. And then he had his best round of the playoffs in the World Series. Uh, hit 333, uh, hit a home run, drove in five. So um, I, I like him. I just I think he's just a solid kind of keep the line moving type guy. You know, you, you, you put a couple of good players around him. You put Casas in front of him and. You know, I'm, I'm not sure who would hit behind him uh, presently, but, you know, maybe a guy like Yoshida, actually. Um, I, I just I think there's plenty of upside to him. And um, like I said, I, I think his personality would play well in Boston. He's also the brother to Yuli Gurriel, who was kind of, you know, a stalwart on that Astros dynasty. Had really good numbers, I think, in the 2022 World Series. Went to the Marlins this year. Yuli, I think, was that was his age 39 season. So his career is winding down. But I'd love to have his brother in Boston for, you know, at least two to three years. 
the other thing I was going to mention too with Guriel is he got his, you got a chance to see him on what he can do on the big stage. And I truly feel that one of a key reason why the Arizona Diamondbacks were able to go as far as they did was because of his involvement with the team as well. So I think other teams are going to be chopping at the bit to see what they can get out of a deal with Guriel. And it's nice to at least see a player when they're in a World Series or they're in a championship round contributing and doing things to help the team win. Um, that's huge. Excellent. All right. Right on. Moving into number 13, Jamer or Jamer Candelario, four years, 70 million. Tim, the Cubs, Anthony, the Royals, Dara, the Blue Jays. Uh, Terry, where do you think uh, Jamer Candelario is going to go? Well, I mean, just any team looking for uh, an outfielder, I, I think will, oh, excuse me, corner infielder, will, um, will definitely, you know, be in play for him. He's not going to be a break the bank type guy offensively he does play similarly to a guy like uh Gurriel uh this past season 22 homers drove in 70 uh he can steal a few bags as well obviously I don't think he's a, a fit for the Red Sox I think we're you know we're we're pretty well set with our infield uh he's not he doesn't project as a bench guy so I I I can't see him being a backup to to Devers or Casas, but um, quality player. I did hear that the Diamondbacks uh, of all teams were in on him. So, um, you know, remains to be seen, but he's kind of been one of those under the radar guys uh, the last uh, several years. But he, he definitely has a little bit of pop, you know, 15 to, you know, 22 23 home runs uh the last several seasons and um but not a fit for boston yeah even with the unknown future of how long devers is going to be your third baseman from everything i just i this isn't the guy that you'd want to install either at first or third or uh third you got casas over at first base he gets the job done with this um, not going to settle for a bench role by any means. And I already think that you're going to have enough players that are going to be getting that DH spot in some capacity for this upcoming season. So um, I wish the guy all the best number wise. They look half decent across the board, um, but we'll see where he goes. Just, it's not going to be here in Boston. Yeah. We don't need a corner infielder. I'm just going to save everybody the time. There's, there's just no need for it. Uh, number 12 on the list, Teoscar Hernandez, four years, 80 million, both Tim and Anthony think the angels, which is laughable and Dara, the white Sox, Terry, Teoscar Hernandez, lead us off. Well, even though my preference has been Yuri Gurriel, there are a couple of other guys on the crew that do like Teoscar Hernandez. And he is, uh, basically a corner outfielder. He's a right-handed bat. So Checks off some boxes there. Has a little bit more pop than uh, Yuli Gurriel does. Uh, he's coming off of a uh, 26 home run season, 93 ribbies. Hit 25 home runs the year before in 2022. 32 home runs. So th this is a guy that, you know, could make an impact in that Fenway lineup. And that's why a couple of the other guys uh, prefer him over Guriel, but 
to me, uh, you know, the defense is not great. Uh, you know, he's uh, the last couple of uh, the last few seasons, actually, he's been, you know, a negative 0.06 war to a negative uh, 0.9. So and Yoshida, uh, for comparison, it was a negative 1.1 war. So I don't think we're we're solving the, um, you know, the defense uh, as well, uh, with a guy like Tay Oscar, but, uh, he definitely made our lives hell when he was a blue Jay. So, I mean, if, if Breslow seems to like him for whatever reason, um, I, I certainly wouldn't hate the signing, but my, my preference would be, uh, to bring in Guriel. Preference for me still sticks with Guriel, but if you're looking at Tay Oscar Hernandez numbers wise, I mean, from a fan having to watch the Blue Jays for all those years with him installed in that lineup, wrecked havoc on the team on occasion. Um, I think that if it was a perfect world, I would actually prefer to Oscar Hernandez versus an Alex Verdugo type. It's going to be a question of what they're going to do with this outfield. You even have the question for the outfield on, is Duran your center fielder? Is he going to come back healthy? Again, same deal with the Yoshida. Same deal that goes with Verdugo. Where where are these pieces going to be going? It's going to be a lot of work to assemble the team that you want to build. But this is a guy here that I would have faith uh, having here as a Red Sox player. And I think he could do uh, do a lot of good. I think you could put him in left field. I think he'd be very serviceable out there and make fans pretty happy that they have a great bat and person that they can have in their lineup. I actually do like Teoscar Hernandez. This is one of those guys that if you have to get one power bat, he is 31 years old. He does have the ability of playing in the outfield, but he doesn't get injured. The guy just, he's an absolute grinder. And if I have the choice between him or Gurriel, I'm actually going to take Teoscar Hernandez. I really, really like what he can do as far as power. We don't have that you know, power bat outside of Trevor Story. I will not put Connor Wong in that conversation. I think that's disrespectful to Trevor Story, even though he disappeared last year. I uh, I have to be open and honest that if we're going to get a couple of bats, it should be Teoscar Hernandez and it should be Lourdes Gurriel. In that order, my opinion. He, he's a good clubhouse guy as well. So, you know, that would be another box he checks off. Absolutely. Um, perfect. Moving into our last and final contestant for this evening. Uh, this is a starting pitcher, four years, 82 million. Eduardo Rodriguez, you guys are probably familiar with him. Tim, the Red Sox. Tim thinks he's coming back home. Anthony, the Reds, no Sox. And Dara, the White Sox, the Sox, no Red. So a little combination of Red Sox twice there. Uh, Nick, do you want to go first with Erod? So here's the deal. The only way that Eduardo Rodriguez is coming back, I see Terry smirk because I think he knows exactly what I'm going to say, is if you completely miss out on the sweepstakes for Yamamoto, Blake Snell, or Jordan Montgomery, those big three. If you completely miss on those three, desperate times will call for desperate measures, and we are going to sadly have to bring Eduardo Rodriguez back because he's going to be the only other name that's out there unless you go the trade route. 
I truthfully have to tell you that I probably have more faith in having a bounce back season for Lucas Giolito than I do with bringing Eduardo Rodriguez back here because I personally, this is no, it's not the person himself. I had a very difficult time rooting for him as a Red Sox fan because every start to me felt like it was a grind. He's at 110 pitches after five innings. He's fiddling around trying to figure out how to throw a strike down the pipe. I'm done with that. I'm just done with that whole thing. We've been there. We've done that. Thank you very much, Eduardo, for your time with the Red Sox. But can we just move on to bigger and better things, please? It would be wonderful. So throughout much of Rodriguez's time in Boston, I was a bit of an apologist. I always expressed some optimism that he could eventually emerge, you know, on a given year as a top 10 Cy Young uh, type guy. And, you know, he, he had some decent years. 2018 had a 3.82 ERA, uh, only 129 innings. Uh, the next year, basically the same, except he pitched 203 innings. That was 2019. That was a very forgettable season because we only won 83 games and price and sale uh, both went down by the end of the season. And uh, he definitely scuffled uh, in his final year in Boston. And when he went to Detroit, I was like, man, what a perfect team for him to go to. What a perfect ballpark a change of scenery, A.J. Hinch, very good manager to play for. And it wasn't super great. I mean, he he had some apparently marital issues and uh, abandoned the team. And it seemed to be a bit of a mystery as to why he was gone uh, for a little while. And so he went back to Venezuela. I can't remember if he came back but late in the season and pitched a few more games or not, but... Uh, a 4.05 ERA. The strikeout per nine went way down to 7.1. His previous year, which was his final year in Boston, a 10.6 strikeout per nine. That's pretty healthy. That's above the league average. And then he did have uh, you know a pretty decent year in 2023, which is why he opted out. Uh, only 152 and two-thirds innings. I think he missed like four to six weeks due to an injury. I forget what it was. It might he might have been hit by a comebacker, but um, but I, I just I would be uncomfortable bringing him back for more than a couple of years, and he's certainly going to get more than a couple of years. Um, I also don't like how he blocked a trade to the Dodgers. Uh, you know, the Tigers wanted to trade him. The Dodgers had a need, and. I would have thought it would have been a no-brainer for Rodriguez to to go out there and, you know, pitch in the playoffs for the Dodgers. He's always been a big game pitcher and it would have been a great opportunity for him to boost his market this winter by having some big playoff performances. Look at look at Jordan Montgomery. I mean, he was like a 3 to 4 year max guy, you know, that was the type of deal he was going to get for probably between, I don't know, 45 and 50 million. Now he's probably looking at triple that over six or seven years, all because of a, you know, an epic performance through the playoffs. So Rodriguez blew that. And his reason for it was he didn't like the logistics. He wanted, his family was on the East coast and, and that's where he wanted to be. 
I don't like that. And some some fans will will back the players 100%. Well, it was his right to do it because he negotiated it in his contract, so you can't shame him. I think I'm kind of the opposite. You know, if you know you're going to opt out and it's only for a couple months, go do do the team that made that massive financial commitment to you a, a solid let them get a few good prospects and just go pitch for the Dodgers for a couple months. I just don't like his inflexibility. I just feel like he could be a problem in the clubhouse. I mean, there were whispers of it, uh, you know, previously in his years in Boston, showing up to camp a little bit heavy. Um, he had that weird thing with Cora in the playoffs where he was walking off the mound, pointed toward his wrist. He was kind of taunting Correa, and I'm all for that. I, I don't think Cora should have poo-pooed that, but he did. But it, there's, it's he would just be a weird fit, and uh, you know, if he's on the outs with his wife again, and we desperately need him, and he says adios, I'm going to Venezuela. I would be pissed. So I'm gonna be a relatively hard pass here on Eduardo Rodriguez. Terry, you brought up a lot of interesting points about Erod, and I think one of them was if he really was on the outs, why would you not want to come to L.A. to find somebody? There are so many women in Los Angeles. There's <laughs> literally four in, in Detroit worth anything. So come on. I, I, that, that makes no sense. An excuse that he used also made no sense where, you know, I if I had like a magic ball and, I could see what the right decision was, then I would be able to tell you, but this was the right decision for my family and for my future. And that's why I made the decision I did. It literally made no sense. If you're trying to boost your value to, you know, help your family move to a better spot or go to a city that actually cares about winning, why wouldn't you do that? It just, it didn't make any sense to me. And so I, you know, I'm I'm very curious to see where he ends up. But if he does end up going back to Boston for whatever reason, because it could happen in all in all honesty, it could happen. It would have to be for less than a three year deal. It could not be. And, and I'm and I'm really stressing this. It cannot be the only starting pitcher you get. It can't even be one of two starting pitchers you get. It would have to be the third starting pitcher you get. And the reason for that being is I don't know if he's going to take another vacation this year for mental health, for family, because he's leaving to do something else. Who knows? I just you can't do it. You can't. You have to get somebody else in there that can get the, the ball moving. And it's not going to be it's not going to be him if he can't if he can't commit to a full season, if he's unwilling to come back to Boston uh I'm okay moving on. Wish him well. Hope he figures it out. But, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's the answer for us. You didn't yeah, You didn't use the term that you used uh, with me a few days ago via text, and that was mommy issues. I, I was hoping that was coming in. Uh, I, I didn't want to say it. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, if, if there are some issues and whatnot, you know, I didn't get to hear the here's the bad news today either, Terry, and I was waiting for that too when it came to J.D. Martinez. But unless there's anything else, I think that's going to wrap it for all of us tonight. Nick, any other things you want to add? 
Yeah, just the mental game with him is what scares me with everything that he's gone through. To put him back here into Boston again with the pressure and the surroundings of being somebody, the Red Sox rotation we need to lean on heavily. Just doesn't it doesn't align right for me. I don't get the the I don't get the positive vibe that it could be okay if he comes back here. So it's uh, I wish him well, but I just don't I don't want a reunion. He he's all about I think himself. That's make the three of us. He he's all yeah. about himself, and he's not. He he doesn't seem to have a great record of being a team player. Yeah. So that though that's my big thing. That's enough to to make him. I think an Audi for all three of us. Anywho, that is going to do it for all of us here. We want to thank all of our loyal and first time listeners. Everyone have a great night. Take care.